Today on the news and why it matters, Michael Bloomberg's week uh, in the last few days, it goes from bad to worse. We've got a lot of little audio clips that have dropped to get into. Uh, also, a Virginia gun ban fails in the Senate committee. Huge blow for Governor Blackface Ralph Northam. Got a lot to get into on this Monday, and it starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. Happy President's Day. You may have the day off, but we don't. Uh, here with me today, I've got Giancarlo Sopo from TheBlaze.com. I'm never going to not say your name like that. It's fine. Uh, and we've got Rob Eno, Blaze media critic Rob Eno, back with us. And Aaron Colon, also of TheBlaze.com, who is upping his tie game, as trying always. Trying to. These guys, I don't know, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to make an impression with the tie. Uh, all right. Got a lot to get into. So, Michael Bloomberg, we talked about him last week. You know, he had the awkward stop and frisk comments that came up that people were arguing, is it racist, isn't it racist? Um, you know, for what it's worth... Donald Trump himself was a proponent of stop and frisk during the 2016 election. So I don't know that it was the actual policy that was the question, but rather the way, the spirit in which, you know, Mike Bloomberg had the conversation about minorities and throwing black, you know, young black men up against a wall. Uh, so let's go over just a few more of the um New little pop-ups that have happened with Mike Bloomberg just over the weekend. Uh, the Washington Post actually highlighted several allegations uh, made against Mike Bloomberg, uh, the most disturbing of which involved Bloomberg allegedly telling a top saleswoman at his company that she should, quote, kill her baby while she was pregnant. Uh, so this this is what happened. In, according to the lawsuit, this is uh, what it says. The, the woman says that the following happened. Bloomberg was having a photograph taken with two female company salespeople and a group of NYU business school students. Uh, when Bloomberg noticed Garrison, the uh, complainant, standing nearby, he asked, why didn't they ask you to be in the picture? I guess they saw your face. Uh, apparently, he has a thing for ridiculing married women. Like, that's a bad thing to be married, I guess, to Mike Bloomberg. He said, how's married life? Are you married? She said that she was pregnant. He responded to her, kill it. She asked him to repeat himself, and he responded again, kill it, and then muttered to himself, Great. Number 16, apparently suggesting uh, that she, there were 16 women in the company at the time who had maternity related status. And then he walked away. By the way, he did eventually settle this lawsuit against him, which doesn't really make you look not guilty. Uh, Giancarlo, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? Well, it's actually a lot worse. Um, I actually looked at the lawsuit this weekend because I, I covered it uh, for here at The Blaze. Uh, some of the things that, that uh, she alleges in the suit are just are pretty heinous. So uh, it, it runs from the, the baby killing stuff, which that might actually help them with some Democratic voters uh, in the primary. Isn't that sad? Yeah. That's where uh, we're at in 2020. That's going to help you? Yeah. But, but <laughs> however, uh, there, there were uh, substantial allegations that there was a culture that was, host that was hostile mm -hmm. toward minorities mm -hmm. in, uh, in Bloomberg's company. Additionally, you also had... Uh, a series of other women who had filed similar complaints. That woman's testimony, the the allegation that she yep. made about the kill it comment, was also corroborated by at least one or two of her colleagues. Yes, as well. Um, a, a man, one of them, by the way, who said, "I thought it was outrageous," and I can understand why she took offense. Right, right, right. So, 
you know, it, 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 it's a serious allegation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something that his campaign is just going to be able to brush off, and it's something that we're going to continue hearing about, especially uh, in a Democratic primary, I'm sorry, rather within a Democratic party that really tried to destroy Brett Kavanaugh's life on uh, m- much, much more tenuous evidence and a lot less. Mm, great point. Rob? I think it's just great that he's, like, admitting that a baby in the womb is actually a baby, so that might actually lose him votes. <laughs> well, to be fair, he did say kill it. It. it we're, we're not sure. Because well, he didn't know the gender. There was no gender revealed yet, right. and it's the pronoun he's supposed to use. Yes. He could have um, just thought it was a cantaloupe. Exactly. Kill it. But it, it's crazy. In that same article, too, you were saying that, you know, his what he does to minorities in that same article somebody was like well i'm having trouble getting someone to babysit mm-hmm. and he's like all you gotta do is find a black woman that'll make sure that it doesn't kill itself yeah like literally that's in that article as well i mean this is he has a history of it it's like everything they think <laughs> donald trump does yeah he actually has done right. it's like the michael avenatti thing it's like you know he does what he hates most in himself mm. is what he attacks others on. If he stands up in the polls after all this, it's going to be interesting that it might be a strategy to avoid the debates, to avoid the scrutiny. Because if he's able to be at double digits with all the stuff that's coming out, mm. and a lot of it we knew about him before. We knew who Michael Bloomberg was. Mm-hmm. So this is not even news. So if the news coverage doesn't make a dent on his ability to run in this primary, you might see more candidates down the road saying, maybe I just kind of lay low a little bit mm-hmm. and try, I mean, everybody doesn't have $500 million for advertising, but if you throw enough money at the problem, then maybe you can kind of float through without the, some of the stuff that Biden has gone through, uh, that Warren has gone through with the scrutiny over your record. Yeah, uh, which, by the way, we apologize to everyone who did, in fact, see a Mike Bloomberg ad before the start of this show. We do not have control over what ads play, but we get complaints all the time. Why are you playing Michael Bloomberg ads before your show? We don't have control over it. All right, we get it. He's all over YouTube. I'm sorry. Uh, so it's not just these horrible allegations of, uh, you know, asking this person pregnant woman to kill her baby, regardless of whether or not it was a joke. Uh, There was also a a video that surfaced of Mike Bloomberg talking about health care and how, you know, the government needs to get involved. Um, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say he actually advocates for death panels uh, because there's a part where he says, you know, I mean, it's going to bankrupt us. At some point, we got to take, we got to make the decision that the 95-year-old with cancer, we got to just say, hey, you lived a nice life, uh, and uh, we'll keep you comfortable. To me, that's kind of a death panel, but let's let you decide. Watch. And what things they can't fix right away. You know, if you're bleeding, they'll stop the bleeding. If you need an X-ray, you're going to have to wait. That's just, and all of these costs keep going up. Nobody wants to pay any more money. And at the rate we're going, health care is going to bankrupt us. So not only do we have a problem, it's going to bankrupt us. And we've got to sit here and say which things we're going to do and which things we're not. Nobody wants to do that. You know, you show up with prostate cancer and you're 95 years old, we should say, go and enjoy, have a nice cream, lead a long life. There's no cure. And you can't do it. If you're a young person, we should do something about it. Society's not willing to do that yet. So we're going to bankrupt us. Um, Aaron, was that, that sounded pretty clear to me, like that was the government deciding whether or not your Go life Go enjoy was... your prostate cancer and 
enjoy the rest of your life. You know, the interesting thing about Bloomberg, he seems to be saying a lot of the things that we're trying to say about what the Democratic Party is doing, but they aren't willing to say. Mm -hmm. So he's playing this weird role of exposing the ugly side of all these policies that they sugarcoat. So I'm, I'm kind of on board with him keeping going because it's going <laughs> to make them answer for the realities of these things like abortion or health care that they're not willing to say and that people aren't willing to ask them at these debates or in these interviews. Yeah, Rob, you agree? Keeping care from elderly people is a feature, not a bug of government health care. Mm -hmm. It happens everywhere mm -hmm. it's practiced. And the other one that he said is, you might have to wait for an x-ray. Right. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the Stephen Crowder video from like 10 years ago, he's a Canadian citizen, yes. and he goes he and he tries to, to get a blood test mm -hmm. in Detroit, and then he goes across the bridge into Windsor, mm -hmm. and he gets the blood test right away in Detroit, and they're like, well, can you come back in about a week and a half? And with like a blood test at a lab is a routine thing that anybody can go and do. You walk into a lab corp, and they mm -hmm. stick you, and they take the blood out. This takes weeks in these systems. And it's, I looked before I came on on this. In the UK, they're actually stopping people from getting surgeries that are over 70 years old. They're not supposed to do it, but there's like, they've seen a precipitous drop in the number of people over 70 that get surgeries that they're supposed to get for the ailments that are only really for people that are over 70. This is a feature, not a bug. Yeah, and especially when you see ration care in some of these different governments, uh, these different countries that have these government-run systems, what ends up what ends up happening is that you have shortages, just like you have bread lines, you have X-ray lines, um, and so that's why a lot of people come here for treatment. Uh, I covered a story here about a couple of weeks ago about uh, a, a woman who has a, a two-year-old kid in Cuba who has uh, an enlarged brain tumor in the back of his head. They they can't even treat this down there because they they don't have the technology because of the way that they've rationed care over the years. So they had so the Trump administration had to facilitate an emergency visa to have the kid flown here and have the surgery performed in Miami because we don't ration care here. We're able to treat you immediately. Um, so moving to the system would be a disaster, and um, at least Mike Bloomberg's just being very candid about where he'd like to take us. Yeah, and I, I just want to add to that really quickly um, just because uh, health insurance is kind of my passion because I'm a huge nerd and also an insurance broker. <laughs> so I got a, a comment over the weekend about this that, oh, I'm sorry, uh, I didn't realize that there were health care plans that existed that had no exclusions and covered everything for everyone. And I'm like, hold on. That, I'm not saying that there aren't exclusions in every policy because obviously every policy has exclusions, but the exclusions are not dictated by age. And that's the difference. They're not dictated by someone saying you're too old, we're just going to write you off. Or in, you know, in the Democrats' case, either too young or too old. And, right, and as the financial situation gets more difficult with a government-run healthcare system where the debt gets increased and the costs mm -hmm. get more out of control, does that age get younger and younger to where right. you have to cut people off? Where do right. you stop that? And the way he's talking about it, there would be no hard and fast line. It would just be, well, whatever we need to do to make the budget work, we'll just cut the procedures off there. Right. Right. And there's a slippery slope here, right? It's mm -hmm. You go from this, we're not going to treat you, have fun with your, with your prostate cancer, too. Mm -hmm. Hey, Bob, you got prostate cancer, you're 95, we're going to give you a weekend, go say bye to all your family, and uh, you'll come in and we'll send you to the farm like we do with the puppies. Right. I mean, that's like literally where we're going to go. And you see that in some countries. I mean... The Netherlands, I think, has forced euthanasia in some yes. instances, and that's where it's going to go to. It's, 
it's not that far outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're talking about this and you may be thinking to yourself, well, it's Michael Bloomberg. He doesn't have a shot. But he actually, um, there was a, it says betting odds soar for Bloomberg winning the nomination. Back in November, his odds were like non-existent to win. And now he's got a one in three chance to take the nomination for the Democratic presidential candidate, according to Real Clear Politics. So this isn't just us talking about a, a candidate who, you know, this isn't Beto O'Rourke. This isn't us talking about yeah. a candidate who we know has no Michael shot, Bennett. right, who is not going to win. I mean, this is someone who legitimately at this time could possibly have a, a shot at the nomination. And this is scary stuff. Uh, there was another headline that came out about Mike Bloomberg, which I think should sink him in and of itself. But uh, I'll get your thoughts on it, gentlemen. Apparently, sources close to the campaign are saying that he's considering Hillary Clinton as a running mate. Um if anything could possibly make that campaign more unlikable than it is right now, I mean, adding Hillary Clinton to the ticket just takes it over the edge, right? The, it has to. And, and it calls into question his sanity, right? I mean, Bloomberg who's going himself. to put... No, no, exactly. I mean, seriously, who's going to put Hillary Clinton a heartbeat away from the presidency when that heartbeat is yours? I mean, it's I just ridiculous. It. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, no. Without, I mean, without saying, I mean, you got to make the statement to everyone, I am not suicidal. I course, do not yeah. intend to right. kill myself if anything I, happens. I would be extremely surprised if she was interested in this, right? Yeah, it would I mean, also just true. be like, like a giant F you to the, the Bernie bro crowd. And that right, right there is about like a third of the Democratic base. Mm -hmm. So, uh, no, I, I, I don't see that happening. Can you imagine Milwaukee? If somehow Bloomberg takes this from Bernie no. and instead of broken, it, I don't want to be burn. there. No. I don't want to be there. Milwaukee <laughs> is going to absolutely burn. And you know the other, the other thing that was funny. He says he's going to move, right? I'll move, and he's like, oh, I can move to Florida. Is this just his way of like getting out of state taxes so that the state of New York doesn't try to exit tax him? I mean, yeah. that's the other. They've got to get him on crazy. a debate stage. The other Democrats have to get him on that debate stage so they can take shots at him. And mm -hmm. I'm kind of wondering if he qualifies through the polls, is he going to just say, I'm not going to do it anyway because it's working for him? So why would he expose himself? So you himself think that would that? actually be the smart thing to I do? I think it would because every time he talks, something bad comes out, something bad happens. <laughs> so why would he want to get on the stage for three hours and be asked questions? So, so you're saying he's, he's Beto with the billion dollars? So, you yeah, know, so you're saying <laughs> Biden should have gone that route. Biden and maybe should have hidden himself and only run commercials, but he couldn't fundraise to afford himself. Yeah. Yeah, but, but Bloomberg's the only person in this race who, if he wakes up and he's kind of like in a bad mood, he could ruin your day. Right. Because he, he has like $62 billion. So he could just ruin Joe Biden's day. And I, I, I saw Biden starting to attack uh, Bloomberg last week. And that's that's absolutely stupid. His enemy right now is, is Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. They got to get rid of Bernie and then they can go after each other. Yeah. Uh, but to my knowledge, Bloomberg hasn't gone negative yet in ads, has he? He's gone negative against well, Trump. Uh, to, well, t today he went after Bernie and his supporters. Mm. So it's starting. It is starting. Uh, by the way, for those of you wondering, because under the 12th Amendment, uh, two people could not inhabit the same state as the elector for the pre president and vice president, the way that Bloomberg would get around that, uh, according to the report, is that he's got residencies in New York, Colorado, Florida. He could just change his actual residency to one of those other of states. To get Hillary, Clinton be, on right. Hillary Clinton. And notice it's people. not Connecticut or New Jersey, right? Where the taxes are worse than New York. So. Right. No, he's right. going to have to go with some like Stacey Abrams or somebody like that. Oh, good luck with that pick as well. Yeah. Uh, before we uh, before we move on, I want to talk to you about Rough Greens. Uh, did you know if you are a dog lover, dog owner, uh, dry dog food, the, the dry dog food that you are buying your dog, even if you're spending like $10 million on the most expensive uh, dry dog food, it has a two to three year shelf life, which is great 
except for the fact that in order to get that shelf life, they sterilize the food when they make it and they kill all of the really good stuff that your pet needs. To, uh, to thrive. So it's probiotics, enzyme, vitamins, the healthy microbacteria, all of those things are dying in the process. They're not getting it from this dead food that you are shelling out tons of money for. This is where Rough Greens by Vitasmart comes in. I am so happy uh, that they started doing business with us because I've used it for my dog now and it is Amazing. It's done amazing things for her. It's not a dog food. It's a supplement that you put on top of your dog's food, and it brings back all of those live nutrients that are necessary for their superior health. So if you're already shelling out an arm and a leg for the dry dog food, and you're thinking that you are giving your dog all of the nutrition that it needs, you're not. You're not. If you want to see your dog truly thrive, you have got to get Rough Greens. Go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That is R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash blaze. I am telling you, it is worth it. I mean, if you care about your dog, which I think that you do, roughgreens.com slash blaze. Go there now. Uh, getting back into the 2020 presidential election and the craziness in the Democratic Party, um, Bernie Sanders was having a campaign rally in Nevada on Sunday, yesterday, and uh, some really bizarre events started to unfold. Uh, I've got a lot of questions about them. Someone uh, rushes the stage to protest and then women come up who are not wearing clothing uh, on their tops. And it all just kind of goes crazy from there. Let's watch. Oh, that's not... Why are they throwing liquid on themselves? So this particular clip didn't catch the very beginning of this woman rushing the stage, but she rushed the stage and she said, Bernie, I am one of your biggest supporters, but I really am asking you to stop propping up the dairy industry. Stop propping up the dairy industry. I was not aware that he was propping up the dairy industry, but it sounds serious. Uh, where was security at this event? That's because my they question. they were just like all over him. And How do you tie that to topless demonstrations? Because <laughs> where does milk come from? Right, it's Jeez. the nipples. Oh. It's the nipples. Oh, that's some powerful symbolism yeah. right there. I, well, milk I is mean, murder. Apparently, because you don't <laughs> ask for consent, I don't know. But that, but that's my main question, Aaron, is where was security? It's a little bit disturbing that people can... I mean, that was not just it's one a, person, it was It's a good free. thing that that person was apparently a fan and not somebody who wanted to stab him. Right. Because n- nobody got up there for quite a long time, and he's just kind of standing there hanging by himself. He was so, so mad, by the yeah. way. And His face I, was turning red because there's naked people on stage, and he's which, really very awkward. Just for the record, uh, when the woman came up who was clothed, he started turning and walking the other way. The topless woman came over, and he turned back. He was just looking out for his own safety, of course. (laughs) He was a budding erotica writer, so yes. There you go. Yeah, he's Uh, got some stuff. It probably reminded him of, like, his hippie commune. Probably. (laughs) Probably. But, I mean, really, truly, Rob... Why the dairy? And what is he it's going to be? It's going to be Vermont. Industry. He's from Vermont. Vermont's one of the biggest, like Wisconsin's one of the biggest dairy-producing states. I mean, you, the joke from back home is you can't drive through Vermont without seeing like 500 cows. 
like even mm-hmm. for a five minute drive through Vermont because they're everywhere. You know, he, he has a Ben and Jerry's flavored ice cream. Mm-hmm. They've made a Bernie ice cream for, for him at Ben and Jerry's. So maybe that's it. You know, it? It's just it, it's good? crazy. It, I, I haven't had that one. Okay. I, yeah, I just... You Is know. it a moral, uh, political thing? Like, you don't want to support that? <laughs> well, I, I actually did think it was hilarious, right? Because they've, they've made... They're owned by Unilever right mm. now. So they're owned by this big conglomeration. How do they get to make an ice cream for a candidate and not be an in-kind contribution? But that's... As, a, this, mm. as going off on a Ruben, you know, I have had the Americone Dream and some other good. left-wing ice creams from them, but... I just, I mean, I have to believe that that is not, it's not a good look for Bernie, for at least for the moderate supporters that he wants to attract in order to, you know, secure some kind of nomination. Yeah. Uh, you don't, that's that's not the look you want. Yeah, well, he really has a problem with his supporters where they're, they're perceived as radicals and just like straight up Jacobins, really. Uh, we saw some of them this weekend on, on Twitter saying that they were going to start keeping lists. Like, these are like prominent supporters. I'm not even talking about just random uh, Twitter bros. Uh, but we're talking about like advisors to the campaign saying that they were going to start keeping lists of, of folks who are working for Michael Bloomberg so that they can never get a job in politics or apparently in any sector like ever again. So th- these types of things, I think, really turn off like you're just the average voter watching yeah. stuff at home if they get to see it. Because at the same time, I think the media really shields the American people from a lot of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And they won't connect it to him in any yeah. way, even though these are people who support him and they're clearly always like on 10 at all times ready to like blow up over anything, mm-hmm. but they won't connect it to him as if he has any role in either denouncing it or you know encouraging it. We, we have one of his low-level, admittedly, workers saying that, you know, gulags aren't bad, we're going to create violence. The guy, as far as I can tell, still works for him. Yep. Mm-hmm. And He's CNN hasn't touched one. it. And Yeah, there's been multiple videos. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely insane. If you only watch CNN, if you only watch MSNBC, you're not going to see this happen. I mean, I give Chris Matthews credit from two weeks ago, he's like, this socialism stuff has to stop because, like, I would be the one that they're hanging in Central Park. And you Park. see what they do yeah. to he any Democrat. Who, he had that. Any Democrat who says anything like that against socialism, whether it's Carville, whether it's Matthews, they just, oh, this old crazy man doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And they distance themselves from that because this is the direction they're going. Yeah, the worst part of the clip with Matthews really was just the arrogance of Joy Reid and that other schmuck, uh, Chris Hayes. <laughs> yeah. uh, just like, 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 what a douche. Just, just like the, the way that they were like snickering and, and laughing at him, or like like straight at his face. These people, they don't remember the Cold War. They don't know what people lived through. Right. So Matthews was one hundred percent right. Um, but the entire media is going to is 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 going to just mobilize to defend Bernie. We're already seeing it. We like saw Paul Krugman came out with with, uh, with a New York Times piece yeah. this past week saying Bernie Sanders is actually not a socialist. He just calls himself one. I guess he looks he likes the word. Oh yeah. This and the the honeymoon. Yeah, in yeah, the you, USSR. Yeah, was yeah you, just... have to, you have to look past like a bunch of like ridiculous th- things, right? We're <laughs> right. like, of course, like, and by the way, that standard, it, if you apply it to the right, it would never, it would never hold. Mm-hmm. If somebody had been palling around with like the Klan right. for like thirty years, right, across like three decades. No one would look past that in American public life. Well, I mean, Donald Trump, they took his words out of context when he said there are good people on both sides when right. he was right. talking about what happened in Charlottesville with the white nationalists rally. that's one comment. Right, and that yeah. was completely taken out of yeah. context, context, and yeah. they hammer him about it. Yeah, yeah. and it, it, was, it wasn't a white... There were white nationalists at the rally, but mm-hmm. it was, you know, billed as like a pro... American type rally, so you know, in his mind, that's why he said it. But it was, yeah. Donald Trump has zero associations with white nationalists, zero whatsoever. Right? They make them up. 
Bernie Sanders has a lifetime of associations with communists. Right. And, uh, whoa, he's not really a communist. Like, they, they start, like, changing it. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a Marxist, or, like, they'll, they'll start changing it around. And I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Yeah. Yeah, they, they play by completely different standards. With as much as his people complain about being sort of hindered by the establishment, he gets a lot of help from the media in terms of covering for him and the things that he's about. That's the a est- great point. The establishment created the conditions that are making his candidacy possible. Because... These are the people who have been uh, like fueling radicalism for like the past twenty years from the comfort of their Upper West Side apartments, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and like fueling radicalism when they actually have pretty traditional conservative lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go, the gun bill that was backed by Governor Ralph Northam in Virginia. I know we've been trying to cover. All all that's been happening in Virginia right now, now that they have uh, control, the Democrats do, of both chambers and, of course, the governorship, which I don't know how you do blackface several times and get reelected. But, hey, what do I know, Virginia? Uh, So the the gun bill that was backed by him that included the sweeping ban of guns, magazines and suppressors and made actual legal gun owners turn over. Uh, you know, it was actual gun confiscation, turn over their stuff to the state, was rejected by a Senate committee. So four Democrats joined all of the Republicans on the committee to send the bill to the Virginia Crime Commission for further study. So it will not be reconsidered before the legislative session uh, expires. That's good news? Yeah, I think it just goes to show the power of mobilizing and, you know, being activists for this issue um, you you let them take control of the the entire government in that state, and that's a problem. But you know they were able to salvage something here mm-hmm. by putting pressure and putting mobilizing in large numbers to say we don't we're not going to support this. To where even some Democrats have to look at it and say it might be in my best interest to put a hold on this right now. Yeah, right. yeah. Pain is the biggest motivator to a politician. If you can inflict pain on them, meaning they're not going to get reelected, they will do anything you ask them to do, and that that's what this shows. And I just thought it was going to be really interesting when you know, his arm thugs or he sends the, the National Guard into Appalachia to take away their guns. I mean, right. like, like southwestern Virginia, you're not going to take these people's guns away. They're, they're going to petition to join West Virginia before they let that happen. Right. Yeah. I used to live in a r- rural county in Virginia. So th- the idea of this passing just seemed completely uh, foreign to me. Um, I'm glad that it's been shut down, even though I, I will admit I am someone I don't know a lot about guns. I've never fired a gun. We you need to take you to the gun you, range. You got to take me to a gun right range. Down the street. Um, you can't live in Texas and have never fired a gun. A gun. I've only been here for six months. So I, I, think, I think there's like a year where like you have to do Oh, it. do you think? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. And I like how you're just making up these yes. arbitrary rules about Texas That's as soon rule. as you get here. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you have up to a year. To, to go to gun range. What happens when these coastal elites come to Texas? I know. Oh, jeez. <laughs> we'll show you how it's done. Uh, no, I think the most interesting part, or one of the most interesting parts of this particular bill, and I think the the larger gun control narrative as a whole, is that the um, the the main sponsor of this bill, Mark Levin, he actually said that uh, it would not infringe on anyone's rights, and um, you know because. That he was trying to make a difference between, well, these are all just fully automatic weapons. They're not semi-automatic, which was totally incorrect. It would have included uh, a lot of semi-automatic weapons. Um, but you have these people making these laws and they don't know anything about the guns. Well, they rely on spreading misinformation about it so that it doesn't matter what's true or not. It just matters what people think about it. And so you can paint with a broad brush because a lot of voters aren't going to really know mm-hmm. what they're talking about. And so if you can just paint a picture 
about what it covers and how it's not going to affect them, people will be comfortable and say, okay, you can go ahead and do this. And then behind the scenes, they're getting done exactly what they want. Yeah, Rob. It, it's cosmetic, right? They think that it because it looks and it's the joke, it's a big scary gun. It's because it looks like a machine gun that they saw in a movie once, mm -hmm. that it must be a machine gun. When the same time, Massachusetts, they've done this, right? They've stopped the sale of AR-15s or they've right. tried to. And, but the exact same gun, like in a wooden stock, is completely legal. Does exactly the same things. It's because it looks black and scary. Right. Mm. All right. Back in a minute. I think that was racist. I know. Said black and scary. I know black. I know. I'm, gonna, I'm cutting that clip I and I'm social media. Good friend of the program, Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, officially began her re-election campaign over the weekend. Now, <laughs> this is going to be, I mean, I think kind of an uphill battle. She's facing 12 primary challengers. Should tell you something, I think. Uh, she spoke to a crowd of more than 100 supporters 100 supporters, all right, at the opening of a new election office in Queens, telling them that they need to get out the vote for the June 23rd primary. Uh, she did admit in her speech, she said last election cycle in the primary, as we know, the turnout was quite low. This year, we want to multiply turnout by four times. That's our goal. We want to secure 60,000 votes in the primary election. Uh, and, uh, you know, she said, I think everyone has a right to one. I won my seat with a primary. I would never begrudge anyone trying to run in a primary. I am committed to organizing. She has raised $5.3 million for her campaign war chest. Uh, does it say something? Should we be a little bit optimistic about the people in her district of New York that she has 12 primary challengers now? Yeah, so I, I really like the William F. Buckley rule here, where in each race you find the most conservative viable candidate and you support that person, even if they're a Democrat. And in this case, any one of the people running against her in the primary would be better than she is unless she's running against like actual like Trotskyites or something. Right. So, but I am excited that there is a fellow Cuban American running against her in the primary, a former uh, CNBC reporter. So uh, hopefully uh, we It's can... a female too, right? Yep. Do you remember her name? Uh, oh, Cabrera. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and ho hopefully, uh, you know, we can get rid of this terrible person who's, who's having like a, t a very negative impact on our politics. Uh, you know, she is driving her own party even crazier than what it, it what already was. Um, and it's, it's, it's really having a terrible effect on our national public life. Yeah. Rob, what do you think? I, I think it's, it's very healthy. And I'm wondering, is there one, is this CNBC person, is there somebody that Nancy Pelosi is actually helping behind the scenes? Mm -hmm. Are we going to see that as we get closer to the primary? Because the establishment of her party hates her. They, yeah. She has sucked all the oxygen out of the room. Mm -hmm. The squad is basically what pushed impeachment. I still think Nancy really didn't want to do it. She put on a face because she's anybody Why that really did she wanted do it to do then, it. Though? Why did she cave Be to the squad? Because I think it would have become an issue and I think some of, I think she was afraid that if they didn't do impeachment more Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's and um, Rashida Tlaib's and Ilan Omar's would have popped up in primaries across the country and say, see, these people are just there to protect Trump. It's all the same thing. I think that in the end of the day, that's why she did it, because if she did it because she actually believed it, she'd have a coherent argument as to why she did it. Yeah. And she doesn't have a coherent argument as to why she did it. I think it was to placate the base to make sure that the party isn't completely taken over by these radicals. Yeah. When I hear you've got 12 primary challengers, all I think is that they're going to split the vote. She's got mm -hmm. unbelievable name recognition. Her fundraising is 
among the best in the nation in terms of Congress as a whole, not just in her in her state. There's probably no way that she's going to lose this primary. It's interesting to see how many people are trying to go after her. And it will be interesting to see if there shows some sort of negative turn against her. But because it's such a high profile race, she's got so much money and so much name recognition. I don't think any of these people is going to be able to really make a dent in her in her reign there. So hmm. it, it'll be interesting to watch. But so I th- you're the pessimist at the table. You don't yeah, think I think I think she's, she's going said, but So much of politics is about celebrity. I mean, she was able to win because she caught somebody off guard last time. And now she's going to be running on celebrity and name recognition. And there's going to be national money pouring into her that none of those other candidates are going to be able to get. She'll be able to run kind of the same kind of thing in her district as Bloomberg is doing nationally. You'll mm-hmm. be able to to see her everywhere, and that's just how she's going to win. That's true, but if everyone sees her, every time she opens her mouth, she gives people a reason not to vote for her. So the, what if that backfires? Because, I mean, I, if I'm if I'm her challenger, I'm like, keep talking, Alexandria. It could. I just wonder, are any of these candidates strong enough? And maybe should they sort of say, okay, we need to pick somebody who we can sort of get behind to push against it? Because if it's a 13-person race... Mm-hmm. I don't see any way that anybody gets enough votes to challenge her. It's also a pretty far left district. It is. But it, but to me, mm. I mean, you can find someone who is far left and like actually a intelligent person. Right. Yeah. Like you can find someone who is not as dumb as a box of rocks, but also just has those same policies at the end of the day. I mean, she's very clearly a puppet. Right. Yeah. She doesn't know much about anything. She's been coached on what to say. She knows the buzzwords to bring up. Um, so I just feel like even if the district is far left, certainly they could ask for better representation than AOC. Yeah, well, she, Ooh, she, but she, you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's physically impossible. I mean, come on. Well, somebody do, do it right now. Do it I, right want, <laughs> I want one of those those challengers to do like a mailer with bootstraps. And just, like, send <laughs> yeah. it to people and just of all the gaffes. Yeah. It, it, it makes me question, though, the Boston University education. I mean, she, she has a degree from one of the most prestigious colleges in the United States. Yeah. In economics. You, in economics. I know. <laughs> Milton yeah. Keynes. M- Milton How Keynes. Do you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Milton Keynes. <laughs> How do you graduate from there and still know nothing? Um, what do you have to say, Giancarlo? Do you think that it should we be, you know, I'm talking about the, the district that she runs in New York, but just kind of widespread in America, is it maybe a good sign um, that she has so many primary challengers that maybe the Democrat Party, for as loud as the squad is and as much as they, you know, talk a lot of noise, maybe the the squeakiest wheel is not necessarily getting the grease in uh, in the Democrat Party in 2020? Yeah, I mean, but like the, the problem is that they, they punch above their weight, right? Yeah. So they have a disproportionate impact on the rhetoric because, let's face it, I mean, she's young, telegenic, uh, she's she's uh, very charismatic. So uh, as so long as as news channels are, are going to be like tripping over themselves to get her on television, she's going to have a disproportionate impact, you know, an influence on the party, and she's also going to be able to fundraise a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Rob, what do you think? It, it you're that that's I mean she just it's somebody like, yes, yes that that well yeah because it's like no I mean Alexander Ocasio I don't know how to describe what she does, but I think she upsets like I said. The establishment of her party, and I think what what Carvel said in response to the hack comment from Bernie, you know, there are people that are just in it for the money. James Carvel is somebody that is a hired gun, has been in it for the money for his entire life, and those are the people that, quite frankly, run both parties, right? I mean, Donald Trump ran against it in the Republican Party, Bernie's running against it in the Democratic Party, and those people are going to try and find somebody to run against her. So I I still think that you're going to see somebody... um, that will have some sort of establishment support. Mm. It'll be interesting to see which one of the 12 that is. But to, to your point with the, it, 
it's first past the post, right? She's probably got to get 27% of the vote to win this primary right. with 12 people running. But that also opens it up for somebody else to get 27% and I think of the votes. If she's putting effort into turnout, I think that's going to have an impact because she did win with relatively few votes last time. But if she takes it seriously, I think she's fine. If she doesn't, then maybe somebody can catch her off guard if they get the right support. She yeah. also runs the gulag, so she has free that's true. For free labor. 13 people are going to the gulags now. Yeah. <laughs> Back in a minute. I just liked that she admitted, like, well, I kind of won because it was... A transgender biological male runner will now compete in the U.S. Women's Olympic Trials. You probably need a flowchart for that. Let me make it a little bit easier. Uh, so the first openly transgender athlete will compete in the 2020 U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. This is a biological male who identifies as a female, 28 years old, uh, who is competing in the women's trials. Uh, this, what, Megan Youngren is what he calls himself. He started taking hormones in 2011, came out as trans the next year, and finalized transition paperwork just last year. He says, you know, I, you're going to, people are going to put it down. They're going to say it's too easy because you're trans, but what about the other 500 women who will qualify? That's probably the exact same story. Except, you know, without the penis. Uh, I trained hard. I got lucky. I dodged injuries. I raced a lot. It worked for me. That's a story for a lot of other people, too. As I just said, I think he's missing one detail there in between the legs. Uh, now, in order to compete in the women's Olympic events, male to female transgender athletes must have their testosterone level below 10 nanomoles per liter for at least 12 months before competition. Does that make this fair? Um I, I would actually suspect that if, if uh, this individual were to qualify, most countries would just completely just like drop out and they would mm. frankly laugh at us because like, they're not going to want to subject themselves to, to this. Most people look at this stuff and they think it's absolutely insane. Um, <gasps> you, you, and, wow. No, no, no. Transphobic. I yeah. can't believe wow. we're on this panel with you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, but most people look at this stuff and they think it's, it's absolutely insane. Uh, I can't imagine some of these like like African countries that have fantastic uh, running programs mm -hmm. that they would want to compete against uh, an American team if they're running against a trans runner. Mm -hmm. um, so look, more power to you. I, clearly, I don't run, uh, so <laughs> so uh, you know if, if you're able to run and that's that's awesome. I mean that's that's fantastic. Uh, all about being nice to people. But at the same time, you know, I, I think it creates an unfair advantage. Yeah. Rob, what do you think? I'm, I'm glad that they, you know, set that nanomole um, level, you know, so at least we're not running against these German women again. So yeah. there won't be as much testosterone as that. But it's, you know, you said something interesting. You said finalize the paperwork. Yes. Does that mean that they finalized the surgery or just finalized the, because here's my deal. Paperwork. Here's my deal. If you go through with it and you finalize the surgery and you do the whole thing, Compete as a woman, don't, but if you finalize, you know, if you've done everything and checked off every box, I don't think I have a problem with it, but it's, you know. Okay, but what about, so let's say you do the, go, go through the transition. I don't yeah. think that addresses the, what is it, the lung, you have a greater lung, lung capacity volume oh, yeah. when you you're a male. You've got skeletal size and bone mass to consider that doesn't really right. change just because you get something cut off. The problem right. is that these, these governing bodies that are dealing with this are trying to come up with rules on the fly to where they're mm -hmm. saying, okay, this much testosterone or this many years of having treatment or something like that. But they don't really know 
a way to handle it. And you don't have to listen to me as a male. There are women. Thank you. Yeah, well, okay. I didn't need you to add that. There are, there are <laughs> girls who are competing against transgender athletes who are saying this is not fair. And mm -hmm. you have to address that. If, if they're thinking that it's not fair, then who are we to sit here and say, nope, you just got to deal with it. There are clear biological advantages to a male competing in women's sports. Mm -hmm. And so to just say that, well, if they don't have so much testosterone, that just solves the whole problem. That's, that's not going to work. And so they're going to keep changing it and they're going to keep having to deal with this because there will be more. But you can't say that it's competitively fair and you can't say that everybody just has to deal with it. It's not, it's not at a place where we can just accept this. And it's not about being transphobic or who these people are. It's just about athletics and the competitive format. It has to be addressed. Science? Yeah. It's about science? Yeah, that's one of them. Hmm. Uh, you know, it is interesting how quickly, Rob, the, uh, the left who championed women, right? They were the the only party we were told to champion women. How quickly they have tossed women aside in favor of transgender women. It's absolutely right. I mean, yeah. we're, we're done. We're toast. Transgender women rule the show. We Who cares if we ever win anything again, any competition it's again? It's the hierarchy of intersectionality. Yeah, the intersectionality Olympics. That's what I was just yeah. about to say. It's, it's the Olympics of the intersectionality Olympics, as Steve Dace always says, where, you know. Say that five times fast. <laughs> No, don't really. Please. But, uh, who, but it's all about, you know, who you can and who you can't go after. And the left has decided that transgendered people are now more valuable and have more worth than women. So that, that's what that, that's that's what progressivism is. Right. It's you need to find a group that doesn't have that doesn't have worth in society's eyes that you say. And you've got to prop them up and anybody that attacks them is a horrible person. It's phobic. Like, regardless of what we think about whether transgenderism is right or wrong, it, it's there. And so we have, to, we have to grant that it's there, but we can't pretend like it doesn't create difficulties. And I think sometimes in these conversations, talking about the difficulties gets shut out because it's seen as discriminatory. If you talk about bathrooms and locker rooms, or if you talk about sports, it's seen <laughs> as discriminatory. But we, we want to treat these people, I think we really do want to treat these people well and right, but that doesn't mean just throwing them all into one situation and saying everybody deal with it. There has to be more nuance and has to be more thought put into how we yeah, handle it. You got like stuff. a transgender Olympics. It, exactly. Just the, the own, their own category. Yeah. Exactly. Men, women, non-binary. Boom, yeah. done. Or, well, or I guess you'd have to do transgender women against transgender women and then transgender men against transgender men, right? Because Maybe. if you did, I mean, you'd still have the same men and women differences. Right. And, and you know, that, you that brings up a point, right? Together. So you notice that there's not anybody screaming about a, somebody born female competing against males because they're not going to beat them because of those right. biological differences, right? Right. right. So it's, it's just the one way. So maybe we just have a category for that. Please. Science is a thing of the past. All right, back in a minute. So crazy to me. Yesterday, I'm sorry, yesterday. Yesterday was a Sunday. We didn't have a poll question on Sunday. Friday's poll question, are you worried about coronavirus in America 57% of you said no, 43% of you said yes. That's pretty, I mean, usually our polls are very skewed. 
So for our poll, that's pretty even. Interesting to see. Just don't panic about it yet, you guys. All right. No panicking allowed until there's a reason to panic here in the United States. If you're in China, by all means, please panic. Or on a cruise ship. Yeah. If I, I mean, <laughs> or in Hawaii and from if Japan. You're overseas. Or... Yeah. If you're overseas, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, good, good luck, luck to you. Yeah. yeah just seriously. Uh, today's poll: Which 2020 Democrat would be easiest for President Trump to beat? Here are your options. You ready? Which 2020 Democrat would be easiest for Trump to beat? Bloomberg, Biden, Bernie, or Buttigieg? Easiest for Trump to beat. Um, well, I think the president said that, that he would uh, probably like to face off Michael Bloomberg. Mini Mike? Yeah, I think he's like a flawed candidate. It's easy to turn him into a caricature. Yeah. What do you think, Rob? I, I want to say Bernie because I think that, you know, we should hate socialism and communism, but I don't know if we're there as a country anymore. I would kind of agree it's probably, actually, I'm going to say Buttigieg, and the reason I'm going to say Buttigieg is that he has real problems with a large portion of the Democratic base. that Especially minorities. Yeah, minorities. I mean, minorities, minorities exactly. will not vote for and, him. And, it, and, it, and it's like, it's vehement, and it's because of what he did as mayor in mm -hmm. South Bend, not because of his sexuality. Mm -hmm. And my African-American Democrat friends are like, they hate the man. Yeah, it's what crazy. do you think, Aaron? Bloomberg, he's got so much baggage and so much ammo that Trump could take aim at. I think that would be an easy win. Yeah. Well, let us know what you guys think. You can go to Twitter. Uh, it is at The Blaze. Let us know. Who do you think will be the easiest for President Trump to beat? We will see you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.